Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi here as always with Nima Tavale and the Serie A transfer market is now officially open as of Saturday and it's starting to get really, really busy. Milan have officially sold Sandro Tonali just as we are recording this and they've already signed as a replacement Ruben Loftus-Cheek from Chelsea. Also, they are working on a number of other deals. They're very, very busy. Um, so we're going to discuss all that today on the show, as well as what is going on across at Inter. Uh, Marcello Brozovic set to leave. And will Davide Fratesi replace him? The, the Onana talks with Manchester United. The Aspilicueta deal falling through as a replacement for Milan Skriniar. Juventus have, have finally re- appointed Cristiano Giuntoli as their sporting director. What are his plans for Juventus? Uh, Napoli, the champions, Victor Ossiman has given Napoli fans some hope that he will stay after uh, an interview where he's, he, he speaks glowingly about the club and the fans and the city. Uh, Roma are getting closer to Gianluca Schemacca uh, and uh, are they building a team that could even be a Scudetto challenger uh, next season? Uh, elsewhere, uh, away from the transfers, um, FIGC President Gianluca Gravina gave uh, an absolute car crash of an interview where he, he's basically given us all no hope of Serie A football ever recovering under him. Uh, and also it's the under-21s, also partly to blame for Gravina, completely flopped at the Euros and we're going to discuss that. So lots to talk about on the show. And um, For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode which we do every Monday reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all our content that we do throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month, plus... VAT, And for all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, etc., we'd really appreciate giving us a five-star rating. Give us a follow. Give us a subscription. We're on YouTube as well. Uh, all of that really helps us to grow. Okay, let's get into it. Just before we start, Nima, I have to ask, how are you feeling? Because you haven't been too good recently have you no no <laughs> sorry um that's something i wanted to yeah all the listeners um uh we didn't do a q a pod last week because i was incredibly ill i had the worst flu i've had in adult adulthood um bedridden for a week um so yeah sorry about that we're gonna do we were gonna do the q a pod as always so all the questions that you sent in last week will be carried on to this week together with the ones you sent in so tomorrow tuesday for the patrons only we'll have a mastodont a ginormous <laughs> q a pod uh covering two weeks um so yeah no thank you for everyone who a mastodont yeah like a like a ginormous like uh right uh, okay yeah. In Swedish, and mastodont, like a ginormous, uh, yeah, yeah, huge uh, XXL mm. um, episode of um, uh, a whopper, if you will, if you will, right, uh, of, an, of a and A episode. I think it's going to be like 25, 30 questions. Um, but yeah, we'll go through them. We'll do that then, and then, and of course, on Wednesday, it's the uh, we're doing a Napoli deep dive. Uh, Mercato deep deep dive with our good friend Vincenzo Credendino from Calcio Napoli TV. Uh, and yeah, so sorry about all that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 back now. 
So yeah, yeah thanks for all the don't messages. Expect, don't expect me to carry the show today because I'm not. I'm aching. My whole body is hurting today. I did a festival <laughs> yesterday, and um, yeah, I'm hurting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll start off with with uh, Milan, who are also hurting because Tonali has just um, just been announced officially. We knew it was already happening, but he's been officially announced as a Newcastle player, um, leaving Milan. Club record sale, uh, record sign in terms of a transfer fee for an Italian player in history, 70 million euros plus add-ons. Now we've we've spoken a lot about Tonali already on previous shows. We did a, a big deep dive special podcast on him, which you can find, all our patrons can find um, from not last week, the week before. Um, but now that the transfer has actually gone through uh, and Tonali gave a, a really a, a beautiful uh, he wrote a beautiful letter to the Milan fans explaining his decision. And you could see pretty clearly that this wasn't a decision that, that he wanted. You know, it was he wanted to stay at Milan for his career, as he said many a time. Um, so it's one of these transfers that, you know, it's really hurt the Milan fans because he was a bandiera. He was a, you know, he was a Milanista. Um, I mean, from an Inter point of view, Nima, like, who? What has been your equivalent of a Tonali in the past? Like a player that's left the club and you felt devastated to lose that player. Um, I think the biggest disappointment, uh, because of the way, like regardless of you know any other similarities uh, between here, is is would be the Ronaldo's backstabbing of Inter in two thousand two after the World Cup, after he'd been nurtured back to health by Inter for you know, for better part of two and a half, three years with his knee injury and the way that he just, you know, he became the best player in the world. He scored eight goals in the World Cup. And after, you know, not offering anything to when Inter lost the Scudetto on 5th of May um, and then just basically did a did a 180 and said, I'm out of here and, and fought his way out of the club. Um, that was very heartbreaking and devastating. Um, but for me... Uh, so I think that that's the one that I will probably never forget as an Interista, uh, or forgive for that matter. Mm. But um, but that was also you know, but that's not really that's not really comparable to this situation, is it? Um, because this is more of a financial situation. Um, I think another one is obviously the 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 nonsense that you know, Carini Canavarro thing, which was a certain moji. Uh, in the in the in the doldrums uh, behind the curtains pulling the strings, that was incredibly annoying. Uh, but no, I mean I, I can't really I, I don't I can't really remember one that 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 is similar to this situation. It's, it'll probably be this summer because when they sell Andre Onana, because I'm very against that, and I think it's. But I understand why they have to do it because it's the financial reality. They have to sell in order to buy. And since there are no other buyers for their other players, I mean, they can't even get 20, 25 million for Marcelo Brozovic. No one wants to buy him except for the Saudis. And they're using that situation to lowball. So, yeah. you know, yeah. so I, mean, there's I think been I'm, quite a few from a Milan point of view, there's been quite a few in the part, in the recent past. There's been Takah. Kaká the first time when it didn't actually didn't go through. I remember, and I still wonder whether Bellasconi played that all out. It was just a Bellasconi soap opera um, mm. where he was going to Manchester City. And then I remember that, they, that it was all done. And then Bellasconi kind of the, the, the knight in shining armour saved and put, put, put the, stopped the deal from going through at the last minute. And there was all the Milan fans outside Kaká's balcony stopping him. I remember pleading. that. 
Do you remember that? And that I was that. that was just that was that was really a, a, a an incredible story back two thousand and. Eight, I think that was, I think or two thousand nine, and then, I think it was two thousand nine, and then six months later they sold him to to Real Madrid for like thirty three percent, a third cheaper than than they would have got. Um, so it would, maybe it wasn't a good deal in the end. But also, you know, Thiago Silva, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, those deals, I think definitely from Milan point of view, from Juventus point of view, for me, I mean, Roberto Baggio was my my like idol growing up uh, as a kid. And when he left in 1995, I was, you know, I was really sad um, that, that he left Juventus and especially as he went to Milan. But there was also the recognition that Juventus were league champions that year. And also they had Del Piero coming through, they had, you know, they had Ravinelli, they had Viali. So, I mean, they had so much other quality. It wasn't like going from Tonali to Ruben Loftus-Cheek, with all respect. Um, you know, it was, you were replacing them with, a, with, a, with another top, top, top class player. Um, so, yeah, that one, Christian Vieri in 97, I, I n- I've never understood that. I still don't understand that sale um, from Juventus. I and mean, they got Inzaghi as a replacement. I mean, not a bad replacement, fantastic. But I just think Vieri, just kind of like, he was just an absolute monster. I just, I've never understood why Moji sold um, Vieri. Um, and and then more recently, Jao Cancelo. I mean, that, I mean, Apart from Badjo, none of these are really comparable on a kind of human level as Tonali is, but in just terms of stupid deals that anger you as a fan, the Jao Cancelo swap deal was just utter madness uh, from Paratici. Uh, and that was, the, the, that was the, the tipping point for me with Paratici when he decided to swap Cancelo for, for uh, Danilo about just how incompetent you know, Paratici was. So that. And then this summer, definitely Chiesa sold Again, I'll be absolutely furious because it's Chiesa. He's a fantastic talent, uh, and they've basically chosen Max Allegri over Federico Chiesa, which is just insane. So, yeah, probably those ones are the ones. I can definitely recommend because one of the good things about being sick is you get to you're bored and you get to listen to many things. And I was listening to your interview with Romeo Agresti; Uh, that was really good. I can really recommend everyone who wants to know what's going on with Juve to listen to that. Mm. It's re- great. Interview. Yeah, we'll come on to Juventus and and Juntily and we'll we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. But yeah, absolutely. Um, but as I said, you know, <clears throat> when Inter and Juventus lost these players, um, well, Ronaldo and Baggio Vieri, you know, they replaced them with top top players because this was during the golden age. Now Milan's mm. replacement for Tonali is Ruben Loftus Cheek. They are still doing other business. They're trying to sign yeah. Eunice. There's a bit of an American revolution trying to bring in Eunice Musa. From well, he's actually a good player, Yunus Musa. I, I like him. Musa, uh, Tijani Reinders, who I have to say I don't know too much about. Pulisic, um, they're, they're exploring that. Other positions as well. Chukwueze from, from Villarreal. But I mean, just in terms of just essential midfield, we're looking at Tonali. We're looking at uh, Musa, for sure. Um, I mean... What do you think of this going from? I mean, going from Tonali to Loftus Cheek. Look, I got to me. This this tells me a few things. Milan are changing how they play. They are the 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 midfield is is with Brahim Diaz out, Tonali out. They're changing. They're doing a complete restyling of their midfield, Um, and it's kind of similar to what I think Inter are doing as well, getting rid of Brozovic. Um, and wanting to bring in Fratesi. They're, they're both looking to make their midfields much more dynamic and much more direct. Um, now, whether or not that is where you, you know, that is, 
yeah, it's, I don't know if it's going to be a sip, but I just have to say, I gladly hold my hands up and say I'm wrong. I have never been a fan of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I don't understand what it is, everyone that Milan see. I don't understand. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Um, that he off what he offers uh, together with Christian Pulisic, Musa, I understand because he's a fan. That um, I get. He's he, we've seen him for 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 in, in Spain. We've seen him in the World Cup. What he offers, so it makes sense to me to have him and Benasser next to each other. But the others, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Chukwueze, I get fine. You need someone to, you know, you're, you're, they're finally addressing a a, a a weakness in their squad. But the others. The, the Reinders, I understand also from what I haven't seen him play too much. Of from what I've understood, the kind of player he is, he's needed in that midfield. But I don't get Pulisic. I don't get Ruben Loftus Cheek. I really don't. To be yeah, I mean, from a, from an image point of view, I, I I mean, it doesn't look good because you know you're talking about players who are way, way, way down the pecking order at at Chelsea. You know, and when Milan are getting rid of their, you know, one of their main men for such a, a huge amount of money, and they're replacing them with, you know, not even first reserves. We're talking about, you know, Ruben Loftus Cheek. I mean, what position was he in the midfield pecking order last season? You know, sixth maybe. Ruben Pulisic. What position in the attacking pecking order? I know Chelsea have a massive squad, but you know, we're talking about players who are they're not even first sub or second sub in their positions, you know. So it's not a good look. You know, it doesn't mean they're not good players. I mean, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I think he was, a, a you know, a very, very interesting talent coming coming through. He had was really unlucky with that that ridiculous injury that he got playing the most ridiculous game I can ever think of in a in a game, a, 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 an end-of-season friendly in the United States. And he, was it his Achilles? I think it was that he ruptured and that those are horrible injuries to come back from. Uh, and he was out for the whole of the next season, and he's never really been the same player since then. Um, you know, there, I'm not, there's a, there is talent there, but I think with Robin Loftus-Cheek, he's, he's, he's quite physical, he's powerful, he drives, he drives forward with the ball, uh, he can carry the ball. I'm not sure, you know, how many goals he gets, how many, go- how many assists he gets, um, and I'm not sure how good he is in tight spaces. I don't, I don't know. I think he's quite versatile. Tactically, I think he can play in a number of systems, which is useful. Um, and, you know, I don't think he will do badly. I think he'll do do pretty decently. But I just think that, yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's it's just not a good look. And as for Musa, I liked him at the World Cup um, for the United States. Um, mm. But, you know, he's going to have to do something. Uh, and this is going to sound, sound horrible, stereotypical, horribly stereotypical. He's going to have to do something which no United States players have done, and that is succeed at a top top club in a top league. You know, the United States has come on leaps and bounds since we were kids, Nimmer. You know, when you compare to them where they were in the 90s, you yeah. know, the amount of players, American players, and I was speaking to an American colleague of the, about this, the amount of American players who who are now playing in, in the top leagues, um, but they've only, they, they've only kind of reached a certain level. They haven't made that next step to flourishing for a top mm. club in a top league. You know, they've got to maybe Europa League level kind of teams and they've done pretty well. But then whenever they've had to make that final step, they haven't quite done it. Uh, and that's the same with, with all of these players. Pulisic was, 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 was very promising at Dortmund. He couldn't cut it at Chelsea. Weston McKennie, 
didn't cut it at Juventus. Uh, um, uh, who else is there? You know, all, I mean, I think it's the same for, for, for I mean, Serginio Dest uh, at Barcelona didn't cut it, didn't cut it in Milan. You know, so Musa, he, he impressed me a lot uh, in the World Cup. But, you know, now he needs to, he needs to make the step up for, um, you know, for, for Milan. So I'm always going to have that, you know, little bit of doubt in my mind um, because of that. And maybe that's unfair just because he's American, I'm saying that. But, you know, that is the, the history of the, the American soccer player so far in the mm. top teams. So, yeah, I think you go from Tonali to these level kind of players, of course you're going to be concerned. Yeah, no, I've got nothing more to add. You, you covered it. Uh, it is a risk, but this is where Milan want to go and this is part of their new strategy. And, you know, you got to, you know, you can't say too much. Personally, I think I I understand Musa, Reinders, Chukwese. I don't understand Pulisic and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. That's bit of, But again, they, if they turn out to be fantastic... I don't understand it tactically. I don't understand what it is that they're supposed to give that Milan lack. Um, but again, if I'm wrong, I'll gladly hold my hands up. From from what I've been, people I've been speaking to, what you said at the top was 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 spot on. That I think Milan are moving in a slightly different direction in that they're looking for more physical, intense players. They want intensity in their team, uh, and you know, I mean. Tonali absolutely had intensity and pressing, so that wasn't a problem. I think that was just a financial decision. Um, but yeah, these are the players they're going after, and I think that's what they see in all of these players. They see players that have got intensity, that can press, have lots of energy, uh, can steal the ball off the opposition, can drive, can carry it into space. Um, I think they see that from most of these players. And I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek can do that. I think Pulisic can do that. Chukwesi can definitely do that. Um, so yeah. That's, uh, I think that's the direction they're going in. Whether or not they're good enough in terms of quality, uh, that's where the doubt is. But Milan have got a lot of, going to be doing a lot of business. They've got a lot of money to play with now. So, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll revisit this in uh, in a few weeks' time. I'm sure we will. Let's move on to Inter, though, because they're very, very busy as well. Um, before we get on to Nonana, let's start off with Brozovic because we're seeing reports today that it is basically done now with Al Nasser. So... Is that is it done, or are we going to see another last oh. minute collapse like last week? And if it does go through, is is it going to be enough? Is it is that the sign that Protezi is going to come? Well, I'm I'm not entirely sure because now the rumours are linking Samarjic strongly, heavily to Inter, um, who we interviewed four weeks ago um, on the pod four or five weeks ago, um, which is an interesting signing, although he's not a natural. Metzala, he's more a number 10 than a Metzala. But I think he's the kind of player that Inzaghi could, with time, mould into a Metzala, the same way that he did with with uh, Chalanoglu. But of course, Inter want a like-for-like like kind of situation, because if they sell, you know, now that Brozovic's going, they'll play Chalanoglu and Aslani in that those are the alternatives in the CDM role. They have Barella on the right, they have Mkhitaryan on the left, they'll bring in either Fratesi or Samardzic to to play on that left uh, side, and then they'll still need to buy a player for the right hand side. And is it you know, or do they reintegrate Stefano Sensi? You know, that remains to be seen. But it, that's where we are with this. I think now it's finally over. One thing that I do find a bit interesting is that it seems that Inter seem very fed up with Brozovic. They really want him out. Um, they really want him out. 
uh, they they feel that that relationship has come to an end. Uh, I'm not, I can't remember Inter, so you know, I'm not going to say ever because that would be too ridiculously hyperbolic. Uh, but I honestly, right now, thinking can't remember the last time Inter so adamantly pushed out a starting player with such fervor as they are throwing. Icardi. What Icardi? Maybe. Yeah, Icardi. But that was exactly Icardi is the last one that I can remember that they really threw out of the club in the same way as they are doing here. Um, they are really showing him the door. They want they want him out. Um, it's I don't think it's just financial. I think there's other things involved as well because there is a financial aspect. You have to remember his contract expires June 2026. He earns eleven and a half million gross per year. That's about thirty four. 34, uh, 34, 34 and a half million euros a year, which they don't want to pay. Um, they've already cut their wages by getting rid of Jekyll and replacing with Turam. Um, so yeah, that's to me, it's, it's more than that. And I think it'll come out. Things will come out as gradually. I think Marotta will talk at the end of the Mercato when everything is said and done, he'll speak about, Skriniar, he'll speak about Brozovic, he'll speak about all of these things, because they have to. They've said that they're going to talk about it. Now they have to talk about it, because there's so many questions. There's been so many there's been so many weird things going on that they deserve an answer. Even if they don't want to go into detail, something has to be said to put this to bed with Skriniar, what happened? Um, and also with Brozovic, because it's quite clear that those are two players that the relationship has soured. Now who's to blame and what and you know that you know I'm not nobody knows really other than the information that's out there from Skriniar's agent and Skriniar himself to the Curva Nord, but Inter have to also give their side of the situation and then people have to decide what actually uh, you know who they believe and what happened, but it is rather in, it's rather curious that the relationship has soured like it has with two players the way it has. Um, because there's no doubt about that the situation is soured because Brozovic is pissed. You know, he's doing, he's, he's reacting the way that Brozovic reacts by being facetious, by being silly on social media, point, you know, posting emojis of circuses and stuff like that. Um, so he's not, he's not happy. Skriniar's definitely not happy. Inter aren't happy with either of this, with either of them. So that, that's, that's just how it is. Uh, but, what I do think we should be talking about more, uh, where a player that they are happy with and who is happy with Inter but seems to go, is is Onana. That is a, is is a, is a, is an issue that we should I think we should focus on because I think the Brozovic after eight years is kind of, well that's it, really. Um, but the Onana situation is 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 very interesting because Inter from based on what Pedula and, and, and these guys are saying, is that they want 50 million euros in fixed payments and they want another 10 in easily attainable add-ons, spring, bring 60 million, you know, 60 million euros, uh, the overall value. Now, some would argue that's too low. Um, some would say that's pretty much what he's worth. Other would, others would say selling him now is too premature because in a year's time you could maybe get a hundred million but then you know you have to look at this from inter's perspective and that is they 
they don't they're they're not getting any offers for Korea, for Dumfries, for any other players, for Gorsons. Nobody wants to pay the prices that Inter have, even when Inter have reduced those prices. In fact, when Inter have are willing to part ways with Brozovic for 18, 19, 20 million euros, no one is beating down Inter's door. That suggests to me that no one is interested in Inter's players. You know? And so you only can deal with the players that you can sell and the players that you can sell are the ones that other players that there are offers for and those are onana bastoni barella lautaro you know those those are the players that you have offers for that you, you have big offers for and out of those inter look at onana as being the most expendable one because they're yeah. going to extend with Chalanoglu, I find, so yeah, it's just to come in on the price. I, I find I find it insanely low. I, I can't believe fifty to sixty million is it's just ridiculous. When I consider that Kepa was seventy five million, and we're seeing the other supposed, you know, seventy five million is kind of the figure that is is if a goalkeeper is considered one of, if not the best uh, in the world. 75 million is kind of, I mean, it is the record, it's the record price for a goalkeeper, that kind of figure. So, you know, that should be, at a minimum, that should be the price tag for, for me. But you are right at the same time, you know, you can only sell for what the what uh, teams are, are prepared to pay. And if no one is prepared to go higher than 50 to 60 million, then you have a decision to make. Do we sell um, or do we keep? Now, if it's, if it's up to me, I say fifty to sixty million. If no one's prepared to pay, 50, if no one's prepared to pay seventy-five, which is what is, is is minimum value is for me, I don't sell him because for me that's too low. That's way too low. He's worth more than that. Um, so you know, this is this is partly the issue that I had with Chelsea with their this ridiculous arrangement they have with the PIF selling their their place to Saudi Arabia and they're selling um, Koulibaly for <clears throat> you know pushing on thirty million when there's no market for him, <laughs> you know, there's zero, there's no market. No one wants to pay a penny for him, yet they're selling him for 30 million. Um, so I, I see both sides of it here with, with Onana. Um, it, if it was up to me, I do not sell him for 50 to 60 million because I think that's too low. I, I say, if you want to buy him, you pay 75 million. If you're not going to pay 75 million, we keep him. We'll sell someone else if we have to sell. Um, but, you know, that's me. Look, I, I wouldn't, again... Who would you sell? Bastoni, Barella, Lautaro, or Onana? Those are the choices. And I don't think that out of those, I'd sell Onana. Those are the choices you have to make. Then mm. those are the then that Onana's the one I sell. It doesn't mean I want to sell Onana. Of course not. I think it's stupid because of the way that he plays. And then because you have to find a goalkeeper who can offer you that. Because now... You're, you know, especially in the build-up phase, Onana's the best goalkeeper in the world. It's not just that he's good with the ball at his feet. It's the craft. It's the vision. It's the ability to execute those fantastic pinpoint passes on the floor, in the air, with both feet. He's, he has no masters. He has no peers at that level. And we saw that. Man City, you know, Guardiola said what he said. We all saw the game against Man City, the best high-intensive, high-pressing team in the world. They didn't even bother pressing Inter because they knew that they couldn't go near him. Yeah. So that I, I do, I do, th- I definitely do think there is a line that Inter are not getting enough for these players. Um, you know, there was a hilarious. Uh, I saw a hilarious post on social media before 
before Twitter went down, <laughs> before Twitter oh went down, God. before Twitter went down. Of, uh, I honestly believe but, that if an actual baboon, a real life baboon, had bought Twitter instead of Elon Musk, the baboon would have run Twitter better. <laughs> honestly, I just love how everyone's baboon. losing their shit. I don't care personally. Like, well, I don't, I don't use, either. No, but it's I like it's, it's just the incompetence. Know, to, be, to be honest with you, I'd, I'd prefer the free speech that we have now, even if it means reading less tweets than having the. The, the 1984 Big Brother that we that we had yeah but before, he, but that's not know. even that's not even the choice anymore because now he's he's adhered to every every law that requires him to censor and he's running it as as incompetent more incompetent than an actual real life baboon from a zoo would like he's he's <laughs> yeah. genuinely the uh, he he's he's so incompetent when it comes to running social this social media platform that mm. it's it's genuinely astonishing anyway yeah. well anyway <laughs> Going on a tangent. Um, By the way, the, hashtag baboon twenty twenty four. That's my <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so so yeah, I saw a tweet saying uh, Marcello Brozovic um, to from uh, Marcello Brozovic transfer fee twenty three million, and then next to it, um, it had a picture of Brozovic, but with an England shirt um, uh, superimposed on top of his Inter shirt. Mark Brozo Smith, a hundred million. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But, you know, is there is truth. There is absolutely truth in that. And I think it's the same with, like, Onana going for 50 to 60 million. Yet at the same time, Man United are negotiating to sign Mason Mount for, like, 65 million um, from Man United, from, from Chelsea. And it's like, I mean, in what world? I know attacking players, offensive players, midfielders generally go for more money than, than, than goalkeepers. I know that. Um, attacking players that score goals, create goals. I mean, that's just how football is, and that they go out, go for more than defenders and goalkeepers. But, but I mean, Mason Mount, you know, for 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 more than than Onana, and it's the same team. So you can't tell me Man United don't have the money. I know there's a there's an ownership change, and that's a takeover. That's a to- total mess as things are, and that's holding things up. But you know, if they're prepared to pay that much for Mason Mount, he's just had an absolutely horrific season. And, and let's be honest, is a is a good player, but he's not. You know he's not a he's not a top player. Um, you know Onana is a top goalkeeper, uh, and so uh, for me it, it it doesn't make any sense. And I, and I just don't buy this whole kind of English tax thing either. Uh, you know you sell players, you sell them for what they're worth. It's simple as that. Well, there are factors as well. People know that Inter are in a in a, in a position that they are, and so they're going to 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 leverage that. And and there is an there is an English tax thing because of the homegrown rule, uh, which is a really smart thing that the EPL did. Is essentially guarantee that EPL money stays in the country. Uh, you know that's that's essentially what it is, what they've done. So, you know, we 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 can't really say too much about that. It's the reality. We can have feelings about it. I don't think in any look. People look at the transfer market, and I understand that they do that because logic dictates if one player is worth this much, then a player of a higher quality should be worth as much. But it doesn't. That's not how the market works. It's completely deregulated, meaning you have to look at every single deal in its own isolation because that's just how the market, that's how it works in a completely deregulated market. Meaning, what things, factors such as the seller's financial strength, um, the player's will, all these kinds of things, which league he plays in, uh, what, how much interest there is in that player, etc., etc. All of these di- these things dictate. 
Um, and I just don't. I don't buy it. If Chelsea can pay seventy-five million for Kepa, which is from Athletic Bilbao, um, and if Premier League clubs are breaking every single transfer record as they have in the last year, last summer, and and in January, and they're just spending obscene, absolutely obscene amounts of money in this day yeah. and age, um, they, they they can they can pay. More than fifty to sixty million for a nano. Yeah, of course they can. You know. But again, if you look at the actual thing, I mean, it's it's, it's all of. Well, these, you can get it out of them. You, you can. Uh, well, uh, that's, you that's the thing. I don't think you can with Man United because Man United are in the situation they are. Let's remember that they have fi- they have financial fair play problems that they need to adhere to, um, and so far they can't net spend more than a certain sum, and there's no other clubs wanting to buy Onana. Chelsea were interested for a while, then they pulled out. Barcelona don't have the money. Uh, United are the only ones standing and only ones left, and there's no one else who wants to buy him. Like again, you, you come, you, you know, th- this isn't the Godfather where Vito Corleone and Luca Brasi go to a guy and said either your brains or your signature on the contract. Mm-hmm. You need someone to buy the players in question. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> and I think that goes on a lot more than you think, actually. Well, not from the Italian fair teams, enough, but, not from the Italian teams. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like it's like you, you can't do that. Like it's it's not it's not this is that it's 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 a uh, it's the this mm. is the market as it looks, and and Italian teams are in a weak position. But mm. I honestly think that selling. Onana, although I think it would create, it would change how Inter play and it would force Inzaghi to change again for the third year, rebuild everything from scratch. I do think that it does give Inter some stability because if they go after Fratesi and they get him, or if they even get Samadzic, they'll get a young player with a high resale value, low wages, at a five-year contract, and they'll do the same with a goalkeeper because the goalkeeper they're looking to bring in is someone like Trubin, and someone more expertly. At this point, we're talking of even extending Samir Handanovic's contract mm-hmm. as a backup goalkeeper for one year, uh, bring in a third choice goalkeeper as well, and 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 let someone you know someone younger like Trubin or Karnasecki or whoever it is to grow into that role. That's that's essentially what Milan are doing as well. That's what all Italian clubs are doing. So it just follows a natural trend with with Italian football. I'm not happy about it. But that's this is the reality, which is which kind of brings me nicely into the next point, and that is thank God in heaven, or if it's his wife or whoever it is, for stopping Aspiliqueta joining Inter. I think that would have been an absolutely disastrous signing, um, and I'm glad it fell through. I'm incredibly happy it fell through because enough with these stop gaps, enough with these putting Snoopy band-aids on gunshot wound solutions because that's exactly what Nacho and Aspilicueta would have been. Now Inter had to have to actually do something and look to replace with someone younger and long more long-term. And that's a good thing, because you have Acerbi, you have Darmian, you have Bastoni. Great. Now you, you're going to extend with De Frey. Uh, you, you, you need to buy... Bisek has come in, this young kid, who before we started recording, uh, Orhus went on their um, homepage and confirmed that Inter have activated the clause at, at 7 million euros. So he's coming in. So they're looking to bring in a more st- experienced starter, like someone like Demiral, who is not 33, 34 years old and at the twilight of his career. This is a good thing for Inter. Um, so th- to me, the, these are, the you know, the Inter and all Italian clubs have to start doing what Atalanta has been doing, but at a higher level, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Okay, right. Let's let's move on from Inter. Let's talk about Juventus now. And Cristiano Giuntoli is a, a officially, um, yeah. finally, and joined Juventus as the the, the sporting director. Uh, and uh, Napoli <laughs> left Juventus waiting right until the, the the final minute before they got this done before the transfer market started. Um, so, I mean, first thing first things the first first things first, and that is that. This is the first step of, of Juventus's recovery now. Um, they 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 needed they need to put in a management structure which they just didn't have after the whole board resigned last season uh, before Christmas, and uh, Juntoli having somebody that can can build the uh, build the club up uh, again and the transfer market, someone in charge of the transfers, in charge of just the the, the building of the squad. Um, and Juntoli, what he did at Napoli was was amazing, amazing job. Uh, eight years there. Um, you just look at the list of players that that he signed for Napoli. Look at the budget that he worked with. Look at how together with De Laurentiis, Napoli were always profitable. They were so- selling players at the right time. They were bringing in players who were not that well known. And you know, just look at just look at the squad, the team that won the Scudetto last season, and that that shows you the, the players that that Juntoli brought in. So Juventus will be hoping that. He can do the same. Uh, uh, I mean, his we, we had Romeo Agresti, um, Juventus transfer expert journalist, on the show. He really is the best Juventus transfer journalist out there. I mean, let's not you know Romeo really is the best. He is the go-to guy. So I can really recommend that yeah. episode. Yeah, he's fantastic, and and you know he doesn't oversell things. He just you know he just says it. Yeah. You know, if there isn't anything happening, if it's he was pretty clear on the pod. You know, Juventus have to sell first. Juntoli, his first his first things he has to do is sell players. Uh, once he does that, then we can start talking about players who can who can come in. Uh, and there's a lot of players that Juventus are looking to get rid of. All the players that are coming through on loan: McKenney, uh, Artemelo, uh, Zaccaria, uh, Luca Pellegrini. Um, then you've got you know the the attack. Um, if Juventus are going to sign any attackers, Romeo says they have to sell. Uh, Vlaovic and or Chiesa if they want to bring someone in otherwise they won't bring any anyone in the midfield Rabiot has now stayed so you know again they've got so many midfielders they'll probably have to sell before they can they can buy um, even left back Romeo confirmed that that, that Juventus Juntoli want Parisi Fabiano Parisi uh, who I think is a fantastic player but Juventus are have already got four players in his position because uh, Romeo said that Juventus are going to play a 3-5-2 next season something I'm not a fan of uh, and in that position they've already got uh, Kostic Ealing Jr um, uh, Cambiasso uh, and, and even De Chilio once he's back from, from injury so again he's very clear Juventus have to sell before they can buy Parisi so anybody that's kind of expecting Juntoli to come in and immediately buy this player and that player. And remember, Juventus have to make 140 million profit on transfers as well uh, at the end of the, This is something that Romeo also confirmed. You know, anybody that's expecting this big revolution from Juntsley, well, you know, it's not going to happen. They've got George, they've got George Weyer's son, uh, Timothy Weyer, that's come in. And we spoke about, spoke about him on the show last week. Um, you know, there's a lot of work for, for Juntsley to do. And, and it's going to take, it is going to take time. And, yeah, no, it's it's going to take time, and I think Juve fans need to have um, patience 
I'm, I think this is a this is an interesting. This is the start of something really interesting. Um, you know, it's going to take some time to get everything going, and, and also because of the fact that you have to end the transfer market. If I'm not mistaken, Carlo, they have to end the transfer market on a net positive on a profit how much that is is it what 80 90 how much is it 140 140 no. million 140 euros. yeah and that's what romeo said right 100 yeah 140 yeah 140 that, that's, million that's euros. an incredible difficult job to do yeah well now it's 150 52 because they've just wasted just spent another 12 million on on timothy Weyer. so it's now over 150 million so but, i mean they have already they have already got some money from, from kulisevsky 30 million plus yeah. They sold a, a couple of other um, Dragouzine and another guy for I think about eight million. So they've already kind of taken 38, uh, 38, 39 from 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 that from those players already. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of a lot of work to do. A lot of work for Juventus to do, and it's I think it's going to be a bit of a slow burner. Juventus's transfer market. It's not going to I be so. like Inter and Milan where there's players in, players out, being you know bang, bang, bang. It's it's going to be a slow. Well, it's burner. because it's very simple. It's because Inter and Milan are on a plus minus zero budget, whilst Juve are on a profit. So they have to really think before they do something. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And Pogba is staying as well. Romeo said so. You know. He's been working very hard. Pogba is already back in pre-season training. He's been he's been doing a lot of extra work um, already, and he's trying to strengthen his legs. He's trying to you know trying to strengthen his muscles, trying to avoid uh, you know these injuries that he's been getting non-stop for the last few years. I mean, I hope I hope he's he's fit, but it's it's a, it's a big ask to be honest from from everything we've seen. Let's move on to Roma, though, because Roma Roma's a very interesting situation. They've already signed Ivan Indica and Husemwa on, on free transfers. And they're now working on signing Gianluca Schemacca. And they're also, and this is something Romeo also said on the pod, that he says that the two teams in the race for Fratesi are Inter and not Milan, but, but Roma. I mean, Milan could still yet come in and try and, you know, try and, try and come in. But it's Inter and Roma who are the two teams that are really head to head for for Fratesi. Um, Renato Sanchez has been mentioned as a as a possible alternative to Fratesi if Fratesi doesn't go to Roma if he goes to Inter because of the good relationship that we know Roma have with PSG. We saw the deal, dealings they did last last year with Vinaldum. Um So, I mean, could Roma be a? Uh, I mean, it's, it's just very early in the market, but could they be a potential dark horse? the Scudetto with the business that they, they are trying to put together. Yeah, they are. They can. Absolutely. Uh, the city is incredibly open. Um, you know, Jose Mawar, as you, you know, Indica, as we already said, Scamacca and Fratesi, both, you know, Rome lads, would they come back, you know, and Roma is a club that is very, very, very built on having Romans at the club. If they can sort out the Scamacca deal, um, if they can also bring in Fratesi, who they have a 30% sell-on fee when they sold him to Sassuolo. So they can, you know, that actually works in their favor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the way things are looking, uh, they absolutely could be a dark horse for the Scudetto. I mean, as we saw last year with Napoli, if you can hit every single one of your um, transfers, starters, then you can, you know, then you can, then you can, uh, you can have a fantastic season, and 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 if you get it all right, you know, if everything comes together, um, 
of course Roma have a have a problem with because they're you know if I'm not mistaken they're in the they're in the settlement agreement with UEFA aren't they um and they, they fell have, short they fell a few million short of um of reaching the the the, the required money that they needed to make yeah. um, to, to break even and they're going to get a fine yeah they're going exactly. to get a fine for that yeah, um, so, so that's not good. By the way, just on that point, I found it interesting that Carnivale admitted publicly on live TV that they sold they sold players to 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 Roma to help them with their with their with their with their FFP as a favor. No, they bought players from Roma to help. So I bought players from yeah. from Roma um, to to help them with their FFP. So I found that quite interesting, and I want to see <laughs> I want to see uh, how uh, what is done about that. <laughs> that's all well, I want to say. Nothing's going to be done about, about that. that. Nothing's going to yeah. be done about that. Why would anything be done about that? They bought young players like Volpato, and who was the other one they bought? Uh, wasn't it Bove as well? Yeah, <laughs> but he's publicly admitted that they bought them to help Roma with their with their FFP. I mean. You know. Yeah, but they still bought good players. I mean, they bought talented players. It's not like, and we'll have to wait and see how much, uh, you know, how much that was, and if there's anything to, to, uh, you know, if there's anything illicit going on there. But I don't think there is. You're talking about young players who are who are Serie A, who are just broken onto the Serie A, and Sassuolo are the kind of club who do that. I mean, that's stuff that they did with Locatelli, with Fratesi, with all these Scamacca, all these other players. This, this is what Sassuolo do. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, but I think it's, um, I think it's, uh, I think Roma are building on something really interesting as are Lazio and quietly in the background. Uh, it's going to be tight Serie A, the top four, it's going to be really, really tight. I think we're good. We're, we're having, it's, it's the, the top, the top six of the Serie A, I think are even more putting distance between themselves and the rest of the Serie A. It's a very, very top heavy league. Uh, even more so than last season. These are the early indications I see. Um, the top six are just going to be in a complete world of their own, uh, which is a ironic because it is in the sense that, on the one hand, it's a weaker Serie A, which is nothing like the Serie A we grew up with, but on the other hand, this six, this top six, top seven, breaking away completely the way that they're doing is exactly the Serie A we grew up with, isn't it? Um, mm. So it's uh, it's 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 kind of a paradox there. Uh, it's it's exactly. I'm not thing. sure if they are breaking away, but you know because I mean they just had so many defeats last <coughs> season. The teams from second downwards. That, well, compare the know. points. I mean, compare them to you know what was it? How much did the difference between seventh and eighth? Um, yeah, there was definitely a, there was definitely a gap there, but it wasn't. I think that, that gap is going to. It wasn't that just the first team from team one to team seven were taking points off each other. I mean, they were losing points throughout the division. Um, no, they were. You know. But my point is that like you can, that the top six, top seven are, are break are, are even further ahead than the rest of the league, uh, which is very similar to the Serie A we grew up with. I mean, yeah. you had the seven sisters in you uh, mm. who were dominant in the city, in the Serie A year after year after year. Yeah. And I think, it's a top-heavy league, even more so this season. These are the early indications that we see, but we'll have to wait and see. Like you said, I mean, it's impossible to say anything definitive. In, in all, we can July definitely 3rd. say definitive is that the Italian team is the Italian league is not strong enough to hold twenty teams, and that's been obvious for years. And they should mm. definitely be. It should. There's no doubt. It should be down to eighteen. Uh, there should yeah. definitely be at a maximum. There should be eighteen teams yeah. in the league. Um, but they've never shown any willingness to, to do anything about that. Obviously, they're not for financial reasons. So they're not going to so, do that. 
They're yeah. never going to do that. No, they're never going to do that in a million years because mm. uh, less matches means the TV deals are going to yeah. be worth it. No, that brings less. us on nicely to the TV deal because Gravina, uh, the FIGC president, gave the biggest car crash uh, interview I've, I've, I've seen for a long time. Uh, and it just sums up um, everything that we've said in this podcast for the last three years about how clueless these people are and how they just... The, the, the simplest way of, of, say, of, 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 of saying this is they just don't get it. They just do not get and understand how to sell a product. You know, selling life jackets on the Titanic. You know, Italians are so bad at marketing. It's I can say that because my parents are Italian. I can say that. I don't care if you call me stereotypical. Italian people in Italy cannot sell anything. They haven't got a clue. They are absolutely. You see, I disagree clueless. with that. I disagree clueless. with that because Italian food sells Italian itself. Produce, sells itself. Italian fashion, yeah. Italian music, all of these things sell, but Italian football is the thing that has problems monetizing. That's because the people in charge of Italian football are corrupt, incompetent, and archaic. In how they run things, and they, they those things sell themselves. Italian food, Italian. Why does uh, an Italian football sell itself then? It did in the nineties because it had all the best players in the world. Now it oh, doesn't. Why did it, it have the best players it. in the world? Well, this is what I'm saying. The people in not charge, because of, not because of how they were selling the it. It was. It wasn't because of how they were selling it. It had all the best players in the world. It was nothing to do with marketing. You know, it was just that. It was just now they just they haven't got a clue how to market. No, anything. I think it's. I think it's Italian. It's an Italian football problem more than anything else. I think Italian football is run by stupid by, by incompetent corrupt people who are don't live in the, who 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 have an archaic mindset and the the footballing world is so it's the, the competition is so fierce that if you're not top of your game you don't succeed it's you know that that's the overarch the overall arching generalization that you can make on Italian football. I mean, his his comment, I have to read it out. It is so clueless. It's clear that the offer must also be directly proportional to the quality of the product that is placed on the market. We all thought, perhaps we were a little deluded, that the results of the Italian teams would give them an appeal. But the question we must ask ourselves about Made in Italy, which Italy has because it has a force engraved in history, is whether the quality of the product we offer is right. On this, we probably need to reflect on a much broader and much more complex uh, project. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> like, that's my only reaction to that. No, no, no shit, it's, Sherlock. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You, 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 you thought Fiorentina reaching the Conference League, Inter reaching the Champions League, and Roma reaching the Europa League was... Because this is exactly what I'm saying. This is, the, this, is, this is the way that they've always been. They think that the league will sell itself. They think that just because they've had three teams in the final... That automatically that means oh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the league, the 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 TV deal is going to double just because they've got three teams in the final. I mean, it doesn't Clueless. work like that. <laughs> it doesn't work. Of course, like it that. doesn't work like that. You have archaic stadiums that are not fit for purpose. You you don't know how to market your league. You put your marketing eggs in the wrong baskets time and time and time again from North America to the Middle East, North Africa, to Europe, to everywhere, mm. you had a g genius chance, a brilliant chance. You literally won the lottery when the CVC deal came uh, to before they went to Spain. You turned that down because you were too greedy and you couldn't look past your own nose. And now you're wondering why everything's going tits up. 
Hmm. And you have a you have a social media team that teams the the that run the social media who 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 speak English like my my Borat my, Borat English Borat it's yes. Borat English it's Borat, Borat English no no it's Borat English it's literally <laughs> Borat English the the stat overload that doesn't mean anything I was going to say like average, my grand- average what was the average apex height what the, the yeah. WTF I mean, just, I mean it's a- unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, they still use that three years on, and no one's corrected it. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna compare it to my grandparents who were in it, were in Italy. Uh, sorry, were in England. They moved over to Italy, moved into England in the nineteen fifties, um, and they were here for for well forty to fifty to sixty years, um, and they're all passed away now. And in that time, they between them, they probably learnt about ten English words, and they would do a better job. Uh, on on the social media selling the Serie A than 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 these clowns that, that are in charge. But this is of the, the problem. The, the people they well, this is this is the pro- this is what I mean about the corruption. Look at the people they've hired to run these things. It's not based on. It's not like there aren't people in Italy who aren't competent. Of course there are. They don't. No, get, the problem is, is the problem isn't even that. The, the problem is that they won't even realise this is no, an issue. They don't, Nima. They don't even the realise this is a problem. They won't look at their social media feed and think to themselves, "Oh wait, hang on a minute." Um, we're not done. A, not doing a very good job there. We 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 better. We better. They think they're doing a good job. I've spoken well, this is to exactly people. what I mean. The reason for that for that is because the wrong people are hired because they're hired on basis of whose uncle or son or daughter or niece and nephew they are, or who they know, as opposed to what they know and yeah, what they that, can that's do. That's true. That's true. But at the same time, they wouldn't. They cannot recognize because they don't understand marketing. They cannot recognize and recognize what is a good marketing campaign. What is, how it, how you you're supposed to sell even as simple as how you you put out a tweet or how you put out a Facebook post it do not get it at all and just there's just I mean you could go on and on and on I was speaking to somebody um, that, that's that's in the media that was telling me how you know, they're going big about trying to sell Serie A in North America um, at the moment and they're, they're making all these investments to try and build Serie A in in North America and then um, and then what does what does the Serie A then decide to do? They decide to, to to they make an announcement that they that Juventus are going to be playing uh, uh, many many more games next season um, at half past twelve in the you know the midday game the twelve thirty game eleven thirty a.m. in the UK US. 11, so what time? So that's like five thirty. Uh, mm. Wait, wait, eleven thirty. Six thirty a.m. Six thirty a.m. Uh, East Coast. Uh, <laughs> and, and and so what time would that be in uh, the other side of the country? I was like I middle mean, of the. You know, Juventus are by far the most popular uh, Serie A team. You want to break North America, right? You spend all this supposed investment. You're boasting. And these people, these execs, I've been told, are boasting about what an yeah. amazing job they're doing uh, at growing the league out in North America and growing the league around the world, which is a load of nonsense, by the way. Hmm. And then they go and make the decision to to, 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 to put the games at, uh, at a time when the, the people in, in North America are of literally just two hours into their sleep from a from a night out, so <laughs> it's like you know, it's just you just have to laugh. You just no, have it, to it, laugh. It, this at is it. what I mean. It's like they they're clueless, completely yeah. clueless. Um, and I mean, this is simple stuff as well. I mean, this is stuff like honestly, no joke, I, I think this is something like the twelve year old me would would get, you know. And I'm mm. thinking, you know, they're, they're not getting it, and these pot guys are no, like, they don't, supposed they don't to be the experts. You know, they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. And it's, it's, and that's the reason for for this TV deal, this domestic TV deal. Which, if you listen to our show last week, we we discuss about this and what a disaster this is about uh, the gap in TV revenue. 
being absolutely astronomical in terms of overseas TV deals, which we've known about for a long time between the Serie A and the Premier League and the other leagues, actually, other top five leagues. Now we're seeing that the domestic TV deals in Serie A are a complete disaster as well. Um, which and they had they'd been okay they'd been comparable to all of the leagues and actually not that far but still quite far behind I think it was like 900 million to get it right this time yeah 900, 900 million, million. Um, 900 million was the last one um, and uh, that was compared to I think about 1.8 1.9 um, billion in the Premier League and now we in the first bid I think it got to about 500 500 million um so it's it's, it's 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 a disaster. It's a total disaster. It's a total disaster. But and also the fact that they gave it to DAZN, who have run an app that doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you know, it, it's ridiculous. Um, and internet connectivity in that country is an issue. Um, yeah. You know, and 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 these are these are government problems. No, it's it's it is what it is. It's unfortunately. The football is beautiful, but the people who run it are, are grossly incompetent and care only about their paydays. And that's why nothing will change and until everything goes to hell, because that's how it works in Italy. Things have to go str- so bad, so badly pear-shaped before any change. I, I, do you know what I think, Nima? Um, I think that the only way that <coughs> Serie A ever gets saved in terms of from a marketing point of view, I mean, this is only one of many things, is, uh, is, is bringing in... Bringing in some, some, bringing in some, some people from England to, to run it. I honestly think you know, I, I, we're, we 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 sit here and we're critical about the Premier League. Yeah, but I've said for we're years critical. that in order for that, this is why I want more North American owners and yeah, that, English or, or Americans. Yeah, but I mean, I think yeah. English English would be better because English understand football culture better yeah. than than Americans understand. It. Americans understand marketing; they understand yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the 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 numbers and the, the you know spreadsheets, but they don't understand the the, the, the culture of no. football as well as the English do. Um, no, I think you need, you need a majority of foreign owners in the Serie A so they can first of all agree on a president, so they can agree on on having a structure and then vote that way through so that we can have some order in this league. Because yeah. at this point, you know, the, the, the people there are just not, they don't care. It's about lining just, just their own bring, Just hire, uh, hire a team of, 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 English, of English people to market the league. Simple as that. Because they get right. it. They understand how to do it. Uh, Italians, I don't. I've, I've got no faith in Italians ever being able to do it. I just do not get it. And mm. everybody that I speak to, that 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 you know that are, that are in Italy, have worked in the league, that have come from outside Italy uh, originally, they all say the same thing. And then you know that because we've spoken about it yeah. as well. And they all say, yeah. the, say exactly say say the same thing. They just do not get it at all. Uh, I'm speaking to Adrian Del Monte who. Who works for you know? He, he he says exactly the same thing. He just sometimes he just finds it un- he finds it unbelievable sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, enough of that rant. Um, <laughs> let's move on to another rant. So Italy under twenty one uh, Euros, and uh, this was a disaster of a tournament um, for, for for Italy, um, who picked a very very strong squad for these Euros. They, they, they and they picked Tonali, Scalvini, Nyonto, all Italy senior internationals but also you know a very very strong group of players in the defense the midfield and the goalkeeper um you know when we previewed the tournament before I said two things I said there's two things that I'm concerned about for Italy one their lack of quality in attacks goals in particular firepower and two the um, the the coach the coach and both in the end both 
both played out, both cost Italy uh, in, in this tournament. And they've gone out in the group stage with um, one win and, and two defeats. And while they were absolutely robbed in the first game against France and should have got a draw at least because of the because they were robbed by just absolute scandalous refereeing as bad as I've ever seen and that would have actually taken them through still if you actually take a step back and look at the overall performances and the fact that they lost to Norway in the last game then you have to say that you know this was I'm not going to say deserved but this was just an abysmal tournament and an embarrassment from Italy I'm going to like for me, I am tired of Italy not appointing competent coaches. In my opinion, the Italy under-21 co- team has not had a competent under-21 coach since Cesare Maldini in 1996. I'll read you the names. From 76 to 86, Azzelio Vicini. 86 to 96, Cesare Maldini. Then, Rossano Giampaglia, Marco Tardelli, Claudio Gentile, Pierluigi Cassiraghi, Ciro Ferrara, Davis Mangia, Gigi Di Biagio, and Paolo Nicolato. What, I mean, when you list, this is the most depressing list of names, coaching staff, I've ever, I've ever read. None of them are good enough to coach Serie C teams, let alone the Italy under 21. Why do the Italian, again, when, we, when we're talking about the, the very previous topic, giving it to your friends and not to the right person. None yeah. of these, these, these coaches are, are good enough to coach the Italy under-21 teams. And it continues to cost the un- Italy under-21 team. What meaningful career has Claudio Gentile, Casiraghi, Ferrara, Mangia, Di Biagio and Nicolato have? Or Tardelli yeah. for that matter. Just in, just in defence of, of Tardelli and Gentile, they both won the Euros with, 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 with Italy under 21. So, I mean, from an under 21 point of view, you, you can't be critical of their, of their management this, of these teams. Fe- Tardelli, fine. Okay, fine. But they're, still not, them, yeah, but, but they're still not good enough. Like, yeah, what, question, what meaningful careers their, their, have can, they had? You, yeah, you can question their, their um, suitability and qualifications for the role, absolutely, as a coach. But, I mean, just in terms of how they yeah, did. Yeah, okay, I mean, they, they fair won enough. the tournament. That's so, fine. You know. Fine, fair enough. But since then, like, who are these names? No, no, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I mean, Casiraghi. Ferrara, uh, Mangia, Di, Di Biagio. Why? Another gener- And Italy have had golden generations in these under 21s. Di Biagio had a team of Barella, Chiesa, etc., etc. And he... Oh, Di Biagio, yeah. I mean, the, the, can we please have someone who knows what they're doing? There's so many competent Italian coaches out there that would kill for the Italy under 21 job. Can we please give it to them? No, no, absolutely. Uh, Nicola Fabio Grosso, for example, has just had a fantastic success with Frosinone. Why mm. not? If he's interested, why not give it to him? I, I, I need to find out how much the pay is for this role. I mean, you know, my thinking is maybe the pay is so low that, that, that you know, no managers want this role. Uh, it's got to be. It's got to be because you think it's actually a good stepping stone to a, to a, to a bigger club. You do well, well for the under-21s. You get the glory, you get the, you win. Even if you get to, you know, tournament football is always a good, uh, a, you know, a good place for, for, for a coach to, to show himself because, you know, everybody's watching. Um, but Nicolato is a, was a disaster. You, you, I mean, you just for one, I never liked, liked the three-five-two. I just don't, I just don't like the three-five-two unless there's a really really good coach that can make it work, like Inzaghi has, for example. 
you know, at, at Inter. Um, it, it was just, you know, the way that it was used, it was, you know, it was, there was just no, again, it was, there was no structure. There was no cohesion. It was all staccato. The, the, the gaps between the defence and the midfield and the attack, especially in that Switzerland game in the second half, it was absolutely horrible. It was awful. You, I, I mean, I'm, you could see on TV and you're just thinking, what is Nicolato doing? Why is he not telling them? Get your 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 defence and the midfield and attack closer together. Tighten it up, you know. And they were, there were such big gaps there. And there was, no, I mean, it, was, it just wasn't a team. It wasn't a team at all. Uh, and... Yeah, I mean the, the performance. The performance in the second half, they got they got they were tired in the second half of, of the, the the last two games. That was the, again down to the manager. The the, the substitutions were, were, were terrible. I mean, he took off Nyonto at nil nil in that game against Norway. I mean, what on earth? You're only forward that's doing anything that's got that's doing it showing anything in this tournament. You take him off. Um, yeah, I mean it was it was terrible from Nicolato. But the other thing to say is. Italy has a real problem with attackers, and we've seen it with the we've seen it with the with the senior team for a long time now, especially the number nine position. But I would say the whole attack, Italy just are not producing anywhere close to enough attackers at all. And we saw it again in the in the under twenty ones. I mean, Nonto had a few flashes, um, but apart from him, I mean, Cambiago, who's actually Cambiaghi, who's actually finished the, finished the season quite well. He was terrible. Um, Pellegri, awful, horrific. Colombo, not good. I mean, he's been bad all, all, all calendar year. And he's a player that I like. We've spoken about him, but he's had a terrible calendar year. He hasn't even, I think he's even scored this year. Um, I mean, these are the players that we're picking for under-21s. You know, Colombo, no goals in 2023. Pellegri, I think one or two goals in, in 2023. Um, you know, are these the players? These, this is, is this who we, we're, we're relying on? You know, this this shows the, the crisis that Italy has in, in forward production that, these are the players that we're having to choose for under 21s. I mean, you, you go back to the days of, well, Gentile and Tardelli and, and, and Maldini as managers. I mean, the options that, that Italy had in attack, we know the 1990s, there was just such an abundance of attackers in the senior team and in the youth team. And it's, this is a problem across the board, even with the under 21, under 20s, we saw, you know, there was a certain bluntness in the, and then Italy lost in the final, you know. So, yeah, I don't know what is the cause of this. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's something. I would love to find out. I'd love to, to to speak to a coach, a youth coach in Italy, to try and explain what they think is being done wrong. There has to be something that's going wrong, grassroots, that Italy are not producing attackers anymore. We can understand why Italy are not producing as many good defenders because you know the rules have changed, and we'll discuss that. We, we, we were going to discuss that today, but we'll hold that for another for for, for next time. Uh, about the offside rule changing. But, you know, we know why Italy are not producing so many defenders because it is really hard to defend nowadays. All the rules are against you. But yep. in attackers, they should be producing more attackers, really, because everything benefits uh, benefits forwards. Now, why can't Italy produce any top attackers? Well, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think things go in cycles. Um, I mean, there was a point where Italy had so... There, there was, it, was a, it was an embarrassment of riches... Uh, for 20, 30 years, it was an embarrassment of riches of goalkeepers, defenders, and attackers, and not so much midfielders. Now, still, goalkeepers are good. The defenders, decent. Midfielders are fantastic, but not so much attackers. I mean, I think it's it's one of those cyclical things. Um, but I do think that you're right. There is an issue here. We're not producing the strikers, um, the natural strikers that we're Italy used to. 
Um, they're really not. And I, that is a big problem, but I do think that it, it, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll turn itself around because it's still the position, a very popular position. It's about scoring goals. Um, so it's, it's always going to be a very interesting position. Um, okay. popular position, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it is, it is a concern, no doubt. Yeah, we we have to we have to find out what the what the cause of this is, and I think I think it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely a coaching issue. There's no doubt about it. Coming from youth level, it's it's too been going on for too long uh, for it to be a coincidence. Mm. And you know, we'll see. when was the, when was the last time Italy produced a, a, a great number nine? I mean, you know, if you discount say Immobile, who never did it at a top level, uh, you know, mm. in terms of European or continental or well, at the yeah, top club level, he didn't. It's a simple well, yeah, right. he did domestically, yeah, but but I mean, yeah, outside. You know, no, I mean, you know. like in the Champions League, like yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, at the yeah. top level, yeah. um, you know, aside from him, I mean, Balotelli for a very short period of time, yeah. uh, maybe a couple of years, you know, kind of like two thousand nine to two thousand twelve, two thousand ten to two thousand twelve, uh, and then who else? I mean, you're probably thinking what Luca Toni, maybe. And even he had a quite a short shelf life at the very top. You're probably talking two thousand five to. 2008, um, you know, you, 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 we're, we're going back almost 20 years yeah. <laughs> to the, no, to the end of Inzaghi, Del Piero, Totti, you know, when they were coming to the, the end of their careers, you know, and hitting 30. That's oh, kind yeah. of like, since then, you know, it's, it's, and these guys are pushing 50 now. <laughs> you know? They are. No, but they are, you're absolutely right. It's, it's insane. Hmm. Yeah. All right, let's finish off then with uh, Bad Joe and Prem Face of the Week. Right, bad Joe. Um, I don't really have one. <laughs> I've been sick for a week. <laughs> yeah, my I immune mean, system is my bad Joe of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, fair. You mean? I mean, listen. If I'm going to pick out from the other twenty ones um, some, <coughs> some players that came, let's pick some players that came away from the Euro on the twenty one championship yeah, with enough. some credit. The only Bella players I, I two of them, yeah, the two wing backs. Bellanova and Parisi. Yeah. I thought they were both fantastic for Italy. Uh, they're, they're the only two that come out with any credit. Um, every, I mean, we criticised the attack. We crit- I mean, the defence. Um, I mean, Scalvini was terrible. Um, we should have touched upon him. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to have doubts about, you know, I just don't see this wonder kid um, with Scalvini. We talked about this last weekend. Yeah. Didn't we? So maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but yeah. Um, he was really bad, and but the midfield as well got overrun. I blame that more on the coach because there was just no cohesion there in the midfield, uh, and they were it, they were too. The players were all kind of like too similar. The players that he picked, they didn't kind of complement each other very well. Richie, Tonali, and um, uh, and Rovella, I think, and and he didn't get to he didn't make it work. So I blame that more on the coach. Um, but the wing backs were great. It, basically, Italy's own game. That's all their game was in the Euros was the wing bats in Parisi and Milanova. They were up and down, up and down, non-stop. They were brilliant. They um, really so, yeah. were. I, I, I really like both of these players. I really, especially Parisi is just ah, uh, what I, I fantastic. Really like. Parisi has a better like end product than than than, yeah. than Bellanova. Bellanova yeah. has got that. He's quite comparable to Hakimi, actually, a yeah. young, raw Hakimi. Raw, Hakimi, a, exactly. The, the Hakimi that would just... Slightly lit. less in terms of quality. I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, 100%, yeah. Hakimi did 100%. have more quality because Hakimi would, would get to the byline and make yeah. a cutback or smash yeah. a ball across the, the six-yard box on the field. Yeah, but poor man's raw Hakimi. 
I, yes. I think is yeah fair. because yeah. when he gets to make those final crosses he he yeah he he, he can he's, improve and I hope that I'm you know one good thing of going to Torino with Juric is that he will be you know Juric will get the best yeah he's out a of taskmaster him. he's a drill sergeant and yeah. he'll, he'll he'll be like he'll get the best out of him yeah over and over and over and over but yeah. he's got some real qualities there that you cannot teach um yeah. so that that's good um and Parisi again the same I mean he He's, uh, oh God, I think they used to call him Il Pendolino in um, Avellino. Yeah, I remember. Wait, wait, yeah, we did it. We did a profile on him, didn't we? So make sure to right. check that out. Yeah, yeah, Il Pendolino. Right, Prem face of the week. I've got one. What is <laughs> it? I was just trying to find the tweet now, but I've hit my limit, so I can't. Oh my God. <laughs> so, is, is that still, is this limit thing still going on? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but no, I can't find it. It was Barstool Sports. Somebody linked us in. Somebody sent the tweet to us. Um, okay. Apologies. If, I should have saved this, but apologies for, for the, the person that did. And they called them, because um, they're like an American media, uh, sports media, aren't they, Boston yeah. Sports? They, I think they're a kind of a bit of a, like a talk sports of, yeah, they are. of, of America. They and are. Um, they, so the United States won 6-0 against some small nation. Was it St. Kitts, St. Kitts and Nevis or someone like that? And they did a tweet. Oh, yeah. They did a tweet saying, oh, uh, "Would the U.S. men's national team win the Premier League?" Question mark. <laughs> I saw that. I I saw that, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. And and, is... and I can't remember what what the yeah what was put on it. It was something like this is like the American version of a prem face. <laughs> I don't know what, Something yeah, like you're right. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, yeah, I saw that tweet and I think mm. I died. I don't know what we, what could we, we've got to come up with a name for an American version of a prem face, like Uncle Sam Head or something like no. that. Scudetto, Jerry Cardinale speaking Italian is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> Io sono Italo Americano. <laughs> Is 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 I I live for it when he speaks uh, when he speaks Italian. Forza, um, Forza, Forza, Forza Milan. <laughs> no, that was I'm thinking of the Palmer owner. What's his name? Oh, um, Kraus. No, Kraus. Yeah, yeah. Kraus. Forza Parma. Forza. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite. Yeah, no, Kraus. Yeah, yeah. No, In and Out or whatever whatever his business is called. Can't remember. Mm. Come and go, I think. In and out of Serie A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or come and go or something. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. no, it's... Um, no, I, I, Jerry Cardinale speaking Italian is... I don't know why it is. It's just I, I live for it. I just can't yeah. get enough. Jerry um, Cardinale speaking football, I think, as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, let's leave it at that. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday for, for a Q&A, an extra long Q&A, and then we will be back again Wednesday or Thursday. Wednesday, I think, for the Napoli deep uh, dive, deep dive on the transfer and, market. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and those are for patrons, of course, uh, all of those. Absolutely. Okay, right. Let's leave it at that. We will see you again on Tuesday. Have a great week, everyone. Ciao, ciao.